0: Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the People Processes podcast. I'm your host, Rami Alijil, and I'm excited to have you here today. Today, we are going to be diving into the proposed joint employer rule that includes a new four-factor test. This is a big change in how joint employment works. Before we do, though, I want to give you a quick reminder. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, whatever the podcast catcher of your choice is. Check us out on social media at at Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, and now Instagram at Poplar Financial. Drop us any questions on there you may have, and go to peopleprocesses.com and subscribe. You get updates when we post new episodes, but more importantly, you get access to our subscriber-only content, like our new People Processes Guide outline, which has... Uh, all of the life cycles and components that make up a great HR system, lays out goals, and helps you determine what you need to do to improve your employee experience. Now, let's dive in. This is an extended episode, by the way. It's going to be a little bit longer than usual. Our episodes are normally pretty short, five to seven minutes. This one's going to be closer to 10 or 12. This is written primarily by Joy Joy Waltemath, a, a, a lawyer, and we have the link to her Uh, On our website, Uh, she wrote this up, and it's a great summary of what has changed or what is being proposed to change about joint employment. This is super important for anyone who's part of a franchise, uh, who is looking at franchising, or is in even a PEO situation, which this can super change how this is going to work. All right. Noting that it has not meaningfully revised its joint employer regulation since 1958, the Labor Department has announced via press release a proposed rule to revise and clarify the responsibilities of employers and joint employers. The proposed rule in its entirety is linked on our website at peopleprocesses.com. The FLSA allows joint employer situations where an employer and a joint employer are jointly responsible for an employee's wages. The new DOL proposal is a four-factor test to consider whether the potential joint employer actually exercises the power to hire or fire the employee, supervise and control the employee's work schedules or conditions of employment, determine the employee's rate and method of payment, and maintain the employee's employment records. The proposal would ensure employers and joint employers clearly understand their responsibilities to pay at least the federal minimum wage for all hours worked and overtime for all hours worked over 40 in a work week, the agency said. This is important. It's going to reduce uncertainty. According to the Secretary of Labor, Alexander Acosta, quote, this proposal will will reduce uncertainty over joint employer status and clarify for workers who is responsible for their employment protections. Providing public notice and comment is the best way to move forward with another significant deregulatory proposal, end quote. In June 2017, the DOL withdrew the previous administration's sub-regulatory guidance regarding joint employer status, which did not go through the rulemaking process that included public notice and comment. So that's why he's kind of throwing some shade back that way. Uh, That's been withdrawn. There's a lot of talk back in 2017 about... Uh, franchisors becoming responsibili- responsible for their franchisor's actions uh, or franchisee's actions. This is pretty much the opposite of that. Here are some examples of how this will work, and the DOL has requested comment. The proposal includes a set of joint employment examples for comment that would further assist in clarifying the joint employer status, notably in the franchise industry. Here's a first example, a nationwide restaurant franchise. An individual works 30 hours per week as a cook at one restaurant establishment and 15 hours per week as a cook at a different restaurant establishment affiliated with the same nationwide franchise. These establishments are locally owned and managed by different franchisees that do not coordinate in any way with respect to the employee. Are they joint employers of the cook? Under the facts in this new proposal, the restaurant establishments are not joint employers of the cook because they are not associated in any meaningful way with respect to the cook's employment. The similarity of the cook's work at each restaurant and the fact that both restaurants are part of the same nationwide franchise are not relevant to the joint employer analysis that's being proposed because these facts have no bearing on the question whether the restaurants are acting directly or indirectly in each other's interests in relation to the cook. Okay, second example. Same owner, multiple restaurants. An individual works 30 hours per week as a cook at one restaurant establishment and 15 hours per week at a cook at a different restaurant establishment owned by the same person. Each week, the restaurants coordinate and set the cook's schedule of hours at each location, and the cooks works interchangeably at both restaurants. The restaurants decided together to pay the cook the same hourly rate. The restaurants are not the same company. They are owned by the same people. They have different brands. Are they joint employers of the cook? Under these facts, the restaurant establishments are joint employers of the cook because they share common ownership, coordinate the cook's schedule of hours at the restaurant, and jointly decide the cook's terms and conditions of employment, such as the pay rate. Because the restaurants are sufficiently associated with respect to the cook's employment, they must aggregate the cook's hours worked across the two restaurants for purposes of complying with the act. So this is important to say. It's two separate businesses, but because they're joint employers, this guy works 45 hours a week. That's five hours of overtime. It's one of the key effects of this. Let's go to another example, a janitorial service. An office park company hires a janitorial services company to clean the office park building after hours. According to a contractual agreement with the office park and the janitorial company, the office park agrees to pay the janitorial company a fixed fee for these services and reserves the right to supervise the janitorial employees in their performance of those cleaning services. However, office, personnel, do, office park personnel do not set the janitorial employee's pay rate or individual schedules and do not, in fact, supervise the worker's performance of the work in any way. Is the office park a joint employer of the janitorial employee? Under these facts in the proposed rule, the office park is not a joint employer of the janitorial employee because it did not hire and does not hire or fire the employees. It does not determine their rate or method of payment or exercise control over their conditions of employment. The office park's reserve's contractual right to control the employee's conditions of employment does not demonstrate that it is a joint employer by itself. This is important. You can think of this as the temporary or outsourced hire exemption. If I have a temp staffing firm, hire somebody in, bring them in to do the cleaning, and I'm like, I don't care who it is. You pick. You pay them what you want. I'll pay you this amount. I just want to make sure they're here at these times. That doesn't make me their employer. Okay. Just a few more examples to really get our uh, head around this. A country club contracts with a landscaping company to maintain its golf course. The contract does not give the country club authority to hire or fire the landscaping company's employees or to supervise their work on the country club premises. However, in practice, a club official oversees the work of employees of the landscaping companies by sporadically assigning them tasks throughout each work week, providing them with periodic instructions during each workday, and keeping intermittent records of their work. Moreover, at the country club's direction, the landscaping company agrees to terminate an individual worker for failure to follow the club's official instructions." Is the country club a joint employer of the landscaping employee? Under these facts, yes, the country club is a joint employer of the landscaping employees because the club exercises sufficient control, both direct and indirect, over the terms and conditions of their employment. The country club directly supervises the landscaping employees' work. It determines their schedules on, on what amount to a, uh, to a regular basis anyway. This routine control is further established by the fact that the country club indirectly fired one of the landscaping employees for not following its directions. If I can fire you or get you fired... You're part of my company. Let's go to a staffing company. A packaging company requests a workers on a daily basis from a staffing agency. The packaging company determines each worker's hourly rate of pay, supervises their work, and uses sophisticated analysis of expected customer demand to continuously adjust the number of workers it requests and the specific hours of each worker, sending workers home depending on workload. Is the packaging company a joint employer of the staffing agency's employees? Under these facts, absolutely. The packaging company is a joint employer of the staffing agency employees because it exercises sufficient control over the terms and conditions of employment by setting their rate of pay, supervising their work, and controlling their schedules. Here's a new new one. This is kind of related to the association health plan, which currently is in legal limbo. But an association whose membership is subject to certain criteria such as geography or type of business provides optional group health coverage and an optional pension plan to its members to offer to their employees. Employer B and employer C both meet the employee association's specified criteria, become members, and provide the association's optional group health coverage and pension plan to their respective employees. The employees of both B and C choose to opt into the health and pension plan. Does the participation of B and C in the association's health and pension plans make the association of joint employer B and C's employees or B and C joint employers of each other's employees? Under these facts, the association is not a joint employer of B or C's employees and B and C are not joint employers of of each other. Participation in the association's optional plan does not involve any control by the association over the employees. And while B and C independently offer the same plans to their employees, there's no indication that they are coordinating directly or indirectly to control each other's employees. It's all about control. This is one about supply chain contracts that include a code of conduct and wage conditions. This is a weird one, um, or not a weird one, but a really relevant one. Entity A, a large national company, contracts with multiple other businesses in its supply chain. As a precondition of doing business with A, all contracting businesses must agree to comply with a code of conduct, which includes a minimum hourly wage uh, higher than the federal minimum wage, as well as a promise to comply with all applicable federal, state, and local laws. Employer B contracts with A and signs the code of conduct. Does A now qualify as a joint employer? Under these facts, A is not a joint employer of B's employees. A is not directly in or indirectly in the interest um, acting for. Uh, I'm sorry, acting in the interests of B in relation to B's employees, hiring, firing, maintaining records, or supervising or controlling work. Nor is A exercising significant control over B's rate or method of pay. Although A requires B to maintain a wage floor, B retains control over how, how, and how much to pay its employees. Finally, because there's no indication that A and B's A's requirements that B to comply with the all applicable federal, state, and local laws. Uh, that doesn't matter because they have to do that anyway, right? Doesn't apply to the joint um, employer analysis. <clears throat> uh, let's talk a more a little bit more about franchising in the hotel industry. Franchisor A is a global organization representing a hospitality brand with several thousand hotels under franchise agreement. Franchisee B owns one of the hotels and is a licensee of A's brand. In addition. Uh, a provides B with a sample employment application, a sample employee handbook, and other forms and documents for use in operating the franchise. The licensing agreement is an industry standard document explaining that B is solely responsible for all day-to-day operations, including hiring and firing, setting the rate and method of pay, maintaining records, supervising, controlling employment, etc. Is A a joint employment employer of B? No. It does not, A, does not exercise direct or indirect control over B's employees. No, providing sample forms, documents, does not amount to direct or indirect control. So, don't have to worry about that. Okay, last example. Shared retail space requiring uniforms and code of conducts. A retail company owns and operates a large store. The retail company contracts with a cell phone repair company, allowing the repair company to run its business operations inside the building in an open space near one of the building entrances. As part of the arrangement, The retail company requires the repair company to establish a policy of wearing specific shirts to provide the shirts to its its, uh, employees that look substantially similar to the shirts worn by the employees of the retail company. Additionally, the contract requires the repair company to institute a code of conduct for its employees, stating that the employees must act professionally in their interaction with all customers. Is the retail company a joint employer? No. Under these facts, the retail company is not a joint employer of the cell phone repair company's employees. The retail company requirement that the repair company provide specific shirts and establish a policy that employees wear those shirts does not on its own demonstrate substantial control over the repair company's employees' terms and conditions of employment. Moreover, requiring the repair company to institute a code of conduct or allowing it to operate on their premises does not make a joint employer status more or less likely under the act. There's no indication that the retail company hires or fires the repair company's employees, controls any other terms or conditions of employment, or determines their rate and method of paid, or maintains their employment record. So it could, but but it could be slippery, right? So what if the retail company then says, and we need to make sure the store is staffed. You can't not be here. Now we're getting into some real difficulties, right? Or a retail manager says, that guy's sloppy looking. I want him fired. As soon as you start exercising those controls, you can enter into a joint employment situation. Okay. Uh, Keith Sunderling, the active administrator for the department's wage and hour division, said the proposed changes would provide courts with a clearer method for determining joint employer status, promote greater uniformity among court decisions, and reduce litigation. More information on it is uh, linked at our website, the Joint Employment 2019 uh, Act at at peopleprocesses.com. And the DOL encourages any interested members of the public to submit comments about the proposed rule electronically at regulations.gov. Uh, The rulemaking docket is RIN 1235-AA26. Again, link on our site. Once the rule is published in the Federal Register, the public will have 60 days to submit comments for those comments to be considered. Ladies and gentlemen, like I said, a bit long one, a little bit in-depth, trying to make sure everyone understands what's going on here. Comment at the regulations.gov site if you have concerns or questions about it. We'd love to hear about what you think at LinkedIn, Twitter, or Facebook. Comment on the page that you see this on. We'd love to hear from you. Thank you for listening. Now it's time. My name is Rami Alijul. Go out there, have a great day, and get your work done.